Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I wonder if you could go to John chapter 3. Praying about this morning, I said to the Lord, what do you want me to share? And I felt in my heart to share some vision, vision for the church, where we're going, and what I believe God has called us to as a body, what I believe God has called us to as a church, just various things. And as I began to pray about it, the Lord whispered this thought in my heart. It wasn't a rebuke, it was just a good idea because it was God. He said, how about you preach my vision first, then you can preach yours. And it was just so true, and I just felt God put in my heart just to preach the gospel. I love to preach the gospel. It's the thing I probably preach the most these days. I'm so passionate about it. It's such a powerful, powerful truth. It is the powerful truth. So I just wondered if you can go to John chapter 3. Again, I want to welcome visitors. It is really good to have you. It really, really is for whoever you came with. I know there's been many invited, and I see that we ran out of chairs, but we have some at the back. All right, John chapter 3, there's a Pharisee. He's a secret Christian. We have many of those today. That was a joke. There was a man, John chapter 3, 1 says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one else can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? It's like he was saying, what, my mother, is she supposed to swallow me? I mean, how is this going to work? And Jesus said this, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Imperative. You must be born again. Then he says, says, the wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone born of the Spirit. But he says, you must be born again. Why? Why is it not just let's take something that was and restore it? Why born again? Because born again means start afresh. The word again means afresh, anew. It means brand new, like never been before. Why not take something old, fix it up? Why start absolutely from the beginning? Because that's what it means to be born again. So we're going to look at why. Why did he say you must be? He even says to Nicodemus, do not marvel. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. Do not let it surprise you. Do not think it's strange. Do not marvel. You must be born again. So we're going to look at the problem, the answer, and the impact. So the problem we start in the book of Genesis. I wonder if you can go to the book of Genesis. Don't worry, we're not going to preach through the whole Bible. I would love to, for those who visit, we actually preach for 19 hours here every week. Nice. It's not true. Genesis 2, we see the Lord give the command to Adam. We'll quickly read it. Let's go to verse 15. It says, because this is the problem. This is what happened. Genesis 2.15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Friends, that includes the tree of life. Never told man not to eat of the tree of life until after they sinned. Do you ever consider that? He says, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We know that. So, what happened? Well, let's go look. Go to 3 verse 6. Actually, let's go to verse 2. 
The woman said to the serpent, and I'm moving fast here because I just want to get somewhere. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So she added to the word of God. That's always the problem when you do that. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate it. She gave it to her husband that was with her, and he ate it. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the garden. So, what happened? Friends, in the garden, we start with a problem. In the garden, there's many things that happened, just three that I want to highlight today. Death entered. The Bible says that. They would have lived forever if they didn't do that. Death entered. Self, self, me, self, selfishness, self was born. Death entered, self was born, and sin became your master. Romans 6 says that there's a master over every person who's born on the earth, and his name is sin. We're going to get into some of this this morning. Now, she said she saw that it was good for food. I can imagine her going, so it looks good for food. All the other trees look the same. That has also fruit. I mean, maybe, maybe God was wrong. She had never considered in her mind to take and eat, never until the enemy came and sowed a thought in her mind. She says, well, it is good for food, and he's right. Maybe it'll make me wise. And it sounds a lot like what we do today. He said, well, maybe, I'll, maybe you're right. Maybe I should do that. Maybe, maybe it will be okay. Maybe God was actually holding something back from me. Maybe I want my eyes to be opened. This creature is telling me that it's going to make me wise. Friends, she believed the lie. She had truth. She exchanged it for a lie. Because of that, death entered. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. When they sinned, when they disobeyed and they sinned, what happened is death entered. In that moment, I personally believe scientifically the law of entropy entered. That's the first time death was ever mentioned. Death, dying, anything to do with decay, that all came into creation, including people. Everything entered at that moment. Death entered. And it says, you will die. Did they suddenly die? We all know the truth. They didn't die. But a part of them died. They died spiritually. They died. Something inside them, the spirit, the life of God in them died. And from that day, every person who's born, we're going to get into it in Romans 5, every person who's born is born under that system. I've used this analogy before. Who's watched Lord of the Rings? If you haven't, you should. It's great. Lord of the Rings, there's this thing called Mordor, right? And for the Lord of the Ring geeks, I'm going to get this wrong. I haven't watched it that much. But there's this system, and that system had like an employee. I forgot his name. What was his name, that big evil guy? Thank you, that guy. Okay, that's like what happened. Death is the system. What is it, Mordor or the eye or whatever? Death reigns, the Bible says. And it has an employee, and that employee's name is Sin, and he's your Sin. He's, he's a master to you. And you're born with that disease. Billy Graham used to say you're born with a disease, an incurable disease inside of you. I don't have to teach my little son to not share. He just doesn't want to. I have to teach him other things. But in mine, you're born with it. It's inside of you. And the Bible says that sin comes with weight in Hebrews. And for a long time I said to the Lord, why is sin, why does it come with weight? And as you actually get older in life, the weight gets crushing. 
Why? You know what the weight comes from? It comes from trying to deal with it by yourself. That's where the weight comes. Because you cannot. You cannot. So death entered. Self was born. What do I mean by that? Self-image, friends. The Bible says in Genesis 2.25, they were both naked and they felt no shame. Then they sinned. What happened? Shame was born. Self was born. Self-image. Self-awareness. Self-conscious. I'm hiding. Fear. Shame. None of that was present before. Now they're hiding from their maker. Since they were ashamed. Shame wasn't there before. Now shame is. Fear wasn't there for self, for reasons of self. Even Adam, in a sense, we would say today, he threw his wife under the bus. He said, it's the woman you gave me. That's what he said. He's not blaming her. He's blaming him. Saying, if you never did that, this probably wouldn't have happened. So he now became a victim. It's self-preservation. I'm going to blame you. I'm going to blame her. And she's going to blame the snake. And I'm just, I'm blaming everyone to preserve me. Self. To preserve me, I'm pointing the finger everywhere else. That's self. The Bible says love in 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not seek its own. Some translations say love is not selfish. True love does not seek its own. So it's like love left and self was born. Now I'm throwing my wife under the bus to preserve self because I have fear and shame. All of that came. And self was born. Self-centered thinking never existed before the garden. You know how many relationships today are built on that? We teach our people, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but it's, like it's in me. I can feel the Holy Spirit leading me to say this. We tell people, make a list of what you want. Make a list. <laughs> Self-centered thinking. We teach people in relationships, make it about you. That was born in the garden, friend. That's the Adam nature inside of you. What about what you bring? I can imagine Eve saying, was this the wisdom that the snake was talking about? All of a sudden, I feel fear. I have shame. Was this the wisdom? Well, you know that it actually was. It's called the wisdom of the world. The Bible says the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. 1 Corinthians, it says, where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the disputer? You know, the word disputer there is a logician. It's a debater skilled in logic. Look at social media. All the debate. Is that logical, though? Is that logical? Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater skilled in logic? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Why is it foolish? Because with all your wisdom, with all your debate, with all your logic, you still cannot see Christ on your own. And you still cannot remove the penalty of death, the sin, the stuff that you're born with. You can do nothing about it on your own. So it's foolishness to God. The Bible says in Proverbs 14 that, it's very interesting, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it's the way of death. That's human wisdom. That was born in the garden. Human wisdom. He says, it'll open your eyes. It'll make you no good and evil. She saw it was desirable for wisdom. Yeah, but the wrong wisdom. Let's go to Romans 5. Death entered. What happened in the garden? What's the problem? Death entered. Self was born, and sin became your master. Romans 6 says that sin is a slave master. You know that Pharaoh in the Old Testament represents sin. 
when they were in the mud and the muck and the mire and they're getting beaten. He represents sin. He's a slave master. And we don't understand slavery like that culture. When Jesus spoke slaves, there were still slaves there. Thank goodness we abolished slavery. But they understood the context and the understanding of slave, slavery. Sin became your master. Romans 6 says that. So Romans 5.12, let's read. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, that's Adam, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. So when you're born, you're actually born with the Adam nature, with the sin of Adam. You're born with that. You're born with the penalty of death, friends, that hangs over your head that you can do nothing about. So we're still on the problem. There is an answer. Don't get depressed. It gets better. So time moved along. You're still born with sin. It says here, I'll actually read it. And thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. Imputed just means to be placed upon. Sin is not imputed where there is no law. Why? Because by the law is knowledge of sin, Galatians. And then the law came, the law of Moses. So we're moving fast. Then the law came. Now the law, friends, is very interesting. And I define the law, and I'm not just talking Ten Commandments, the law of Moses. Yes, I am talking that, but I'm saying any relationship dictated by rules and regulations instead of love is a law-based relationship, including us and him. The law comes along. The law is of God. The law is holy. The law is perfect. The law is the righteous requirement of a holy God. But the law only had the power to point out sin, not remove it. It did not have the power to deal with the problem. And you still have so many people that are living and stuck under it. But the law cannot make righteous. It can point to you. This is what righteousness looks like. But it has no power to transform you to live that way. None whatsoever. It can point out your sin, but it cannot help you to deal with it. So there was a sacrificial system that was invented. God said, well, we're going to put a sacrificial every year, all this blood, all this stuff. Galatians 3 says this, Galatians 3 verse 21 says, If there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. So the law could not give you life, could not give eternal life, but it could not give you life, the life of God, the thing that died in man, the law could not give that to you. It could just tell you that it was missing. There's something wrong with you. That's what I was saying. There's something missing. That's all I can do is point to it. There's a problem. That's what righteousness looks like. That's what you're doing. That's what the law could do. It could not give life. It could not make righteous. Because it says if truly righteousness could have come by the law, but it could not. Galatians 2 says this, 21. says that if righteousness could have come through the law, strong statement. If righteousness could have come through the law, then Christ died in vain. So friends, I'm not trying to put a heavy on you, but when we put ourselves under the law, we're not seeing Christ the way we should see Christ. Romans 3, let's go to verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, by doing the law, no flesh will be justified. What does justified mean? Justified means, for the visitors, I'm sure you might know this, means just as if I've never sinned. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is knowledge of sin. 
Some versions talk about sin consciousness. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says sin consciousness. Now, I don't want to get distracted because it's my favorite subject. But friends, there's such a problem with a sin conscious Christian. We wake up in the morning not to sin. Instead of waking up in the morning to be a son who's righteous. Because we're still placing ourselves under the law. We're still placing ourselves under a system that can point to righteousness, that can point out your sin, but it cannot help you, it cannot change you, it cannot make righteous. So you're trapped. But this is good news. The gospel means good news. We're only just a part way through it. So it doesn't sound good yet, but it's good. Cannot make righteous, just as if you had not sinned. But now, two amazing words. But now, the righteousness of God the righteousness of God. Go home and think about that for a week. His righteousness, not yours. There's two types of righteousness. Self-righteousness that was born in the garden from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, the tree of life. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, has been revealed. Why? Because Christ came. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. They saw it, friends. They saw it. They were so spiritual. They saw it. They looked ahead and said, there's something coming. There's something coming that will deal away, do away with all this implementation, with the law. We'll do away with all this. There's something coming. Lord, we want that. It says they looked into it. They longed for it. The law and the prophets, even righteousness, even the righteousness of God. Through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believed. To all. What does that mean? Everyone's invited. Friends, there's some doctrines out there that tell you only a select few. It's just not true. To all. Everyone's invited. And on all who believe. Though you may not see, you believe. You know that song, I Believe in Miracles? You know who wrote that song? A young man wrote that song after his child died. His child died, and he wrote that song. He said, I refuse to change what I believe about God based on my experience. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the Lord, is revealed. Friends, that is why you must be born again. You must be born again. Now begin to look at the answer. Romans 7, before we actually get to the answer, Romans 7 says this. Romans 7 says that the law is a husband to you. There's two husbands in Scripture. And I know I've gone over this. I'm going to go over it again. There's two husbands in Scripture. The one is Christ and the one is the law. And when you get born on the earth, friends, you get born under a system of death. Death reigns. The Bible says death reigns from Adam to Moses even over those who had not sinned according to the law. Death reigns. The system of death reigns. You're born with sin as your master from the inside out. From the inside, not from the inside. You're born with that. You're born under a system of death, a penalty of death. You're born with self-centered thinking. You're born like that. Mine! Mine! And some people, when they're 60, it's still mine. Mine. Okay, they need born again. You get born. Then along came the law, and the law became a husband to you. And all the law can do is point out your sin. It can show you that you're not measuring up. Oh, look what you did. Oh, look what you did. And the law as a husband, the Bible says, is never wrong in itself. Imagine having a husband that never makes a mistake. 
It's actually very frustrating. <laughs> Jen does not have that husband <laughs> at all. <laughs> but the law, friends, it's so important for us to understand this. It points out your fault. The Bible says the strength of the law, I mean, the strength of sin is the law. So sin, the slave master, has a whip in his hand. And he hits you with the thing that God made, with the holy thing. He hits you with the law. Whack, look what you did. Whack, look what you did. That's what he does. That's what you're born under, that slave master. And it's from the inside out. And every time you do something, the law says, well, look what you did. He's not going to lift a finger to help you. So I can't help you, but look what you keep doing. Because the law cannot make righteous. It cannot change you from the inside out. Only Jesus can do that. Where he changes you from the inside out. Freedom, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Freedom is not to deny something even though I want it. That's not freedom. Freedom is I've been so changed that I have no desire for that anymore. That's freedom. So, you're trapped. Because you know that that husband, because it's the law that you cannot divorce him because divorce is illegal because it's the law. The Bible says the law will never die. So you're married to a husband. He's never going to die. He's never wrong. He points out your fault, and he's always right. He himself never makes a mistake. He cannot lift a finger to help you. He never dies, and you're not allowed to divorce him. That's pretty rough. That's pretty rough. Friends, that's the law. Insert answer, Jesus Christ. Why? Jesus said, I'll come, and I'll die. You know what? I'm not only going to die for you. I will die as you. I will die as you. I will let go of equality with God, Philippians 2, verse 5 to 9. I will humble myself. I will come down as a man because justice is demanded by God. Because the, what makes up God's throne is righteousness and justice. And in order for there to be justice, it has to be a man. Because a man was the one who gave the keys to the devil. Through obedience, the Bible says, you're a slave to whomever you obey. It has to be a man. So Jesus said, I'll come. I'll come in your image. I will come. You lost in a sense. You still be all made in the image of God. But there was an image of God that was marred in you when you sinned. So I'll be made in the likeness of sinful flesh, Romans chapter 8. And I will come as a man. And I will live. And I will fulfill the law completely on your behalf. And I will then die as a man. Because I'm dying as you. Not just for you. As you. So that the justice of God is satisfied. The wrath of God is satisfied. And then I will die because the system of death reigned. But when I die, I will rise again. Friends, we have to understand how powerful it is that only Jesus could do it. Romans 6 verse 10 says this. For the death that he died, he died to sin. Does it say sinning or sin? Sin, to the issue, to the problem that was born in the garden, he died to that thing. So you may still make mistakes. You may still mess up from time to time. That's, we can deal with that another time. But he died to the issue, the sin inside of you, yet you're born with. He said, I will die for that. He died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Go back a few verses. Go to verse 6. It says this. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. There's your master. No longer slaves of sin, for he that has been died has been freed, freed, past tense. 
I know I preached this a little while ago, freed from sin. You know that 44 times in the book of Romans, 44 times, the book of Romans says you died. If we would understand that, you would be very different. The person you were born, and this is going to hopefully, hopefully throw some people. The person you were born on the earth is not the person you were meant to be. Please hear my heart here. The person you were born on the earth, even the emotions you experience. Genesis chapter 8 says, the imaginations of a man's heart is wicked even from youth. You think that's God's design? No. That came from the problem. That came from the garden. That came from self-centered thinking. That came from sin in the inside. That came from sin as your slave master. That came from a bad husband that was abusing you with the law. That's what it came from. So Jesus said, I'll die. And if you die, you're in me. Let me show you something here. This is you. Pretend this piece of paper is you. This is Christ. Actually is. He's the word made flesh. Great example. <laughs> you're in Christ. Whatever happened to Christ happened to that piece of paper. Because you're in there. If I throw it against the wall, the paper goes against the wall. If I dip it in the water, the paper goes in the water. Because you're in Christ. The Bible says you died with Christ. The person you were born on the earth, that person died. You didn't die physically, just like Adam didn't die physically. But the person you were born with the corruption, the Bible says there are two trees. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Why can a bad tree not bear good fruit? Because its roots go down into the wrong stuff. Okay? Yeah? The Bible says you were born with the wrong tree. The Bible says you were sown in corruption. You were sown in corruption, born with the wrong tree. So we get saved and we think, okay, I'm going to take this wrong tree and I'm going to like fix it up. Jesus says, no, burn that old tree. That tree's dead. I'm going to give you a brand new one. The Bible, it says, the new seed that you were given, you were sown in the incorruptible. Incorruptible, is it up there? Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Your roots go down into Christ, meaning what? The fruit that you try, are oh, we trying to live good lives? You cannot live a good life unless born again has happened. Because your roots, the very nature of your person goes into the wrong stuff. And you will fight yourself forever. Forever. Your roots have to go down into the right stuff, which is Christ. Your seed has been sown incorruptible. And then the stuff that flows out of your life is the fruit of righteousness. The fruits of the Spirit. And it's natural. I went to preach at a college a couple weeks ago. And I said to the students there, an apple tree doesn't go, pops out an apple. <laughs> Why do Christians do that? We try so hard to have fruit because we're still trying to fix the old tree. When you get saved, the person that you were born on the earth, that person dies. With all the problem that was made in the garden, that person dies and you get born again. Reborn, remade new, brand new. That's why you must be born again. And it could only be Jesus. Why could it only be Jesus? Go to John chapter 8. There's many reasons, but I'll just give you one. Friends, if you understand, if we understand that you've died, 44 times the Bible says you died, you died, you died, you died. You know what that means? If I died, can sin still, if I'm a dead body on the floor, can sin affect me? No, I'm dead. The revelation that you died changes the power sin has over you. 
Is it still present on the earth? Yes, but it has no legal power over you. Stop bowing to something that's been defeated. You have truth. Truth sets free. And you start on a journey with truth. Let's go to John chapter 8. It says this, verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered and said, We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been born in bondage to anyone. How can you say we will be made free? Because they were thinking, we're not slaves. Because that's what's their context. Hello, slaves. They were like, we're not slaves. Why do we have to be set free? They were thinking so carnally, so earthly. So we're not slaves. Why are you saying set me free? I'm not a slave. He says, Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. He's saying, you don't realize the system you've been born under. You think the law is the answer. You think Moses is the answer. You were born as a slave to sin, and you cannot see it. That's actually what he says to them. He says, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, then you shall be free indeed. What's he saying? A slave cannot out of his own thing say, oh, I'm a slave now. I've been a slave all my life. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of this. I'm just going to go free. They knew. You can't do that. Slave doesn't choose to set himself free. It takes one with a family name, one with family authority, one with family privileges to step in on that slave's behalf and say, as a family member, I set you free. Then the slave can go free. You were born as a slave to a master that wants to kill you. It takes a son, the only son, to step in as you, on your behalf, and said, I set you free. And he whom the son sets free is free indeed because he's a son. And because he sets you free, you not only get free, he turns around and he says, not only will I set you free, you will be adopted into this family as a son. You will have the rights and privileges that I have. You will be free like I am free because the devil has nothing in me, he said. The world has nothing in me. Self-centered living that was born in the garden, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's the biggest trap of the enemy. It's one of them. 2 Corinthians 5 says, The life I live, I no longer live for myself, but I live it for him who died for me. The gospel. Let me read you this list and we'll be done. Friends, when you go from a slave to a son, your whole sense of identity changes. Your whole sense of identity changes. There's such an identity crisis in this nation and throughout the world. They're changing so many things that have to do with basic identity. Why? Because they're slaves under the wrong system. And they're trying to make sense of stuff with a corrupted wisdom. They're not free. They need born again. They need made new. They need set free. They need a son, sonship, not a slave. They're slaves in here. All of a sudden, your value becomes the price paid for you. And I know I've said this, I'll say it. What gives you your value? Friends, it's not what people do to you that gives you your value. It's not what you do that gives you your value. It's not what you've been through that gives you your value. It's the cross of Christ. It's the price paid. How do I determine value for something? What I pay for it. The highest price that was ever paid was paid for you. And you know what? No one's changing the cross. Your value never changes regardless of what you do, regardless of what you go through. 
when your value, when you understand that, and your value stays constant, why do people do this in the church? Why do people do this in the world? Up, down, up, down. Because it's actually a value issue. They draw their value all from the wrong stuff, from what they think, from what he said, from what she didn't say, from what my wife should have done. And they draw their value all from this place so their life is up and down and up and down and up and down, being dictated to, so they're only as good as life is going. How are you doing? Well, today's a bad day. Do you know what Christ did? That's when I said, do you know your value? You're going up and down as good as life is going? Then life is your master. The Bible says that Jesus is my Lord. He is my value. He is my Lord. He is my master. Not me. My life no longer belongs to me. Because when it was under my control, it ain't going so well. It's only as good as life is going. And when life's going bad, I'm going bad. When life's going good, I'm happy. You can only be consistent when your value is constant. And the only way for your value to be constant is the price never changes. Never changes. Let me read you that list, like I said. What happens? Your identity is suddenly that you are found in Christ, righteous as a son of the Father. This is the impact. You have peace with God. Romans 5 says there's no longer a war between you and God. If you're saved, there's no longer a war. There's no longer enmity between you and him. You are justified. Justified. The Bible says we have a new husband, Isaiah 54. Your maker is your husband, Jesus. He knows you better than you know yourself. And he doesn't wield the law over you. He wields righteousness over you. Romans 6 and 7. You have a change of mastery from sin to righteousness. This is what born again does. You move from being compelled by self to being compelled by love, 2 Corinthians 5. We are compelled by love. And you move from self-centered thinking. I'm going to have to close. Friends, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. But you must, you must, you must be born again. Because without born again, none of that matters. One of the most valuable things about born again, people say, is that we're going to heaven. Yes, and we downplay that. Heaven, friends, they used to speak about heaven in their presentation of the gospel. But it's not just to be heaven bound and die here on earth. The Bible says when you get born again, you will be set free from everyone and everything that surrounds you. So you're free. You're really free. Free to love. Free to give. For God so loved, he gave. Free to be constant. Not bowing to sin. Yeah, you make mistakes, but it's not your master. Because a son has stepped in on your behalf. Can we stand? I'm just going to ask you very quickly. If you hear this morning, and you hear this message, there are some of you here today I believe, do not know. You do not know. You know, friends, the Bible says that when you get born again, you get born not of flesh. In other words, not of blood. It's not about your natural birth, nor of the flesh. In other words, you cannot do it on your own. You cannot through self-will, nor of the will of man. What does that mean? Just because my parents were saved doesn't mean I am. If somebody really wants me to be, doesn't mean I am. But born of God. John chapter 1. If you hear this morning and you're saying, Lord, I listened to this man, either one, I'm not sure. 
Because going to church doesn't make you safe. My dad used to say, if I get down and moo like a cow, does that make me a cow? If I think and try to speak like a cow, if I try to grow horns like a cow, if I paint my body with black and white stripes or whatever, dots, am I a cow? No, why? Because I wasn't born a cow. You have to be born again. Doesn't matter whether you go to church. Doesn't matter if you do right things. Because that's self-righteousness. That's from the garden. That's from the tree of good and evil. Your self-righteousness, friends, is of no value. None. Has to be the righteousness of Christ. That requires born again. That requires you saying, Lord, I understand that I was born under the sin. Because of that, I've been sinning all my life because it comes naturally to me. So I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore. I want to give the lordship of my life to you. Yes, I will confess my sin. Yes, I will do that. But going forward, my life belongs to you, not to me. If there are those people who either do not know, they're not sure, or for the first time, you say, God, all right, I will give it up. I will give to you. I will yield to you. And some people, strange enough, even though they know the truth, it's like they have to be at rock bottom to go to God. I don't understand that. You have truth. Don't exchange it for a lie. Now, I'm going to ask you, if there are any of those people, I'm going to ask you to come publicly. The reason I do that is because every single time in the Bible, when God called someone, He called them publicly. Because it's an incredibly important decision. If you fit into one of those two camps, I'd love you to come right up here. Don't care about what anyone else thinks because your life is not for them. They will not stand before the judgment seat for you. If there is anybody, could you come up front just real fast? I want to pray for you. We'll all pray for you together. 